of worms that was one twist of the can opener away from potentially destroying his comfortable life. So their meeting hadn't been a complete Greek tragedy, but not far off. After being dropped back in the courtyard, she made her way on weary legs to her apartment, removing her heels to walk up the staircase to her apartment. She couldn't elicit the tiniest bit of surprise at finding Ilios on her sofa, feet bare in snug-fitting faded jeans and a black T-shirt, his muscular arms folded in a manner she knew meant only one thing. Trouble. How did you get in here? she asked, pointlessly. This was his palace. He could go where he pleased. With a key? he answered, sardonically, straightening up and rolling his shoulders. Where have you been? Out? Ilios threw her a stare with narrowed eyes, taking in the pretty mint green dress that fell to her knees, the elegantly knotted hair and the hooped earrings. It was an outfit he'd never seen her wear before. Have you been on a date? She gazed at him with tired eyes. It doesn't matter where I've been. Shouldn't you be with your fiancé? I assume she is your fiancé now? Her father gave his blessing. We will make the official announcement during the gala. So why aren't you and Monte Clare celebrating? Some unwelcome news was brought to my attention, so I came back a day early. A flicker of alarm flashed across her pretty features. Has something happened to your grandfather? My grandfather's fine. As fine as an eighty-seven-year-old man riddled with cancer could be. He visited his grandfather every day that he was in the country, always praying that a miracle had occurred and he would see signs of improvement. All he ever saw was further deterioration. The strong, vibrant man who'd been not just the head of his family— but the very heart of it was diminishing before his eyes. Ilios and his brother's business interests had been so successful that their islanders no longer had to pay a cent of tax towards the royal family's upkeep and security. They had enough money to keep their people afloat if the worst economic storm should hit, but not even their great wealth was enough to cure the man who had given up so much to raise them and it hadn't been enough to cure their beloved grandmother of the pneumonia that had killed her five years ago either. Her death was something their grandfather had never recovered from. But for once, this evening, he had hardly thought of his grandfather. He'd been sitting rigidly on Amy's hard sofa, trying to keep a lid on his temper as the hours had passed and he'd waited for her to return. And now here she was, dressed for a romantic night out with someone else, it was the final punch in the guts after what had been a hellish day. The straightforward task of asking the king of Monticleur for his daughter's hand in marriage had turned into something infinitely more stomach-turning. The king had received him as if he were a long-lost son, his pride and happiness in his daughter's choice and her future prospects evident. Throughout the entire private audience, a bad taste had been lodged in Ilios's throat, Words had formed, but he'd spoken them as if they were being dragged over spikes, and throughout all the formalities his brain had been ticking over Amy's less-than-enthusiastic response to his offer of a permanent role at the Palace Museum. To Ilios, it had been the perfect solution, a way to prove to Amy that she still had a role to play in his life for as long as she wanted, and that he wasn't throwing away what they had for the sake of a piece of paper tying him to another woman. And besides, she'd earned the job offer. All his reasoning, everything he'd said to her, had been the truth. Her response had grated on him.
and then he'd received that message from Pedro and taken his jet straight back to Arva. Where have you been? he asked for a second time, noting the way she avoided his gaze at the question. She sank onto the armchair in the corner, put a palm in her eye and rubbed it, smearing a trail of smoky grey makeup across her cheek. You have no right to ask. Who I see and what I do with my time is my own business. If you have taken another lover, then I have every right to question you about it, he retorted, smothering the nausea roiling in his guts. If she'd taken another lover. No, you don't, she said hotly. You're the one marrying someone else, not me. That makes me a free agent. I don't owe you anything. Staring at her angry face, it struck him for the first time that Amy was serious about their relationship being over. Until that precise moment he'd assumed her pride and jealousy had been speaking for her, that she'd been punished.